All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, it is the Wally Mathot Show live, brought to you by Barhaven Ford. Don't forget to check out their BFC custom vehicles, F-150s, Rangers, Mustangs, and now the all-new Bronco. Uh, they are a sweet ride set up, of course, by Roush-inspired vehicles. All right. Uh, I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot, as always. Uh, we lots to get to right now, and we'll get to the uh, our inaugural golf tournament we held on Friday. That was the Wally Mathot Charity Classic in support of DIFD. Uh, Meth has got lots to say. Is he got? Well, you weren't playing that good, Meth. So we'll get back to that later. Uh, Frank Saravalli is here, of course, and uh, he's my former colleague at TSN. He's now joined DFO and DailyFaceOff.com, and he's now running a solid podcast, the DFO Rundown. Uh, check out his latest episode. Well, actually, one of the latest. Uh, it was on AJ Galante. If you haven't seen the Netflix documentary on the Danbury Trashers, go check it out. Uh, AJ is phenomenal. He was a great interview in that one. Um, of course, that's brought to you by Whitewater Brewery. Uh, they've been very good to us since we've started this, and, of course, they sponsored our golf tournament as well. Uh, we had a few quenching whitewaters at the golf course uh, don't forget to uh, check them out go safe uh, using the Wally Mathot coupon code 15% off at shopwhitewater.ca um, now I'd like to bring in Frank Cervalli who's been traveling all over the world of late and uh, it's nice to see you Frank like if I'm not mistaken you were in Switzerland yesterday I was I uh, went over to visit a buddy uh, over the weekend a little bit of a long weekend long trip but it was awesome to connect with him and uh, he's been playing over there for a while and nice to get overseas to see him. Went with another guy that we played high school hockey with and we were all tight and uh, it was really fun, but uh, 
glad to be with you on the Wally Mathot <laughs> show. I mean, look, like how many episodes in are we? Like, I'm feeling like, you know, kind of took a while to get to me. What's up with it that? Did. <laughs> it did. So, it, okay, I'm going to hold This is something I actually need to address because, um, and it's nice to see that you're on the spaceship, Starship Enterprise with your background. I think it's beautiful, mm. by the way, is... Um, I, so when we first started this show, I, I started to make a list of all the insiders and everybody. And I, and I, of course, I needed to have Bob McKenzie first, and I didn't want to upset anybody. And then everything, if there's stories that happen or news that happens, people get moved around. And so I feel bad because, like, Ray Ferraro hasn't been on yet, and I know he's just going to tear me apart when he finally gets on going, why Feels am I like I wasn't some... a priority. I mean, that's... No, but that's not true. <laughs> I just, we just had to... Not that I should stuff. be, but I'm just, you know, I was like, it, okay, no, this it, is, so this is where I ranked in Wally World. All right, no. I get it. So, yeah. so now, um, because the season's starting back up, this is where you become important to us. We're trying to slot you oh, in. Oh, now, the best so now I become... Time. Okay, okay, yeah. got it. All yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. This will be a short interview, apparently. I feel like you made things worse, Wally. Yeah, no, I tried to explain, and now... See, even Dave Poulin on the last show was like, wow, I've been waiting and waiting. I'm like, so I can't win. So yeah. I apologize. So wait a second. Speaking of not winning, you mentioned your golf, your golf outing, your golf <laughs> tournament. Meth, yeah. I've worked with Wally for six years. I yeah. can't really imagine him golfing. What's he like? He's actually not, he's not bad, but he, mind you, he didn't play during the tournament. He was just busy driving around and schmoozing with people, which being of Wally. course we all know yeah. that's just being Wally. Yeah. Um, but yeah. otherwise... I have I have seen him play. He's more athletic than I had anticipated. So I'll give him that. I'd love to bury him right now, but I can't. Does oh he get my. frustrated? Is he a frustrated? Oh, does golfer? he get frustrated? When doesn't he get frustrated? He, he was a he was a wreck that entire day, just making sure that everything was going very smoothly. He's very anal, as we all know. So um, that's just his personality. I'm sure you already know this, Frank. Yes, that's why I asked. I was like, I <laughs> not sure that I can envision it, but I would love to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want, yeah, like I, I take, I guess some, I don't know. I'm a little upset. You just said he's not a bad athlete or better than I thought. I was okay in my day. Yeah, you were, you were. I know. I'm just teasing, man. I'm, you know, this is just for dramatic effect. You're, you're, you're pretty. You're, if you played golf, I'll put it this way: if you played yeah. consistently, you'd be pretty. You'd probably be pretty good. Yeah. See, meth can crush a golf ball. We just don't know where it's going. Good point. So that's, I mean, it's better than not being able to make contact. I mean, yeah, no, another no, good but, point. <laughs> but he only started playing seven years ago. So I give him some credit, but I like watching him connect on a golf ball. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, uh, it's, yeah. I actually quite enjoy it. All right. So moving on, I just want to get back to Switzerland for a sec. Uh, Cause meth and I have both been there, covered your world championships a couple of times. Like that's a stunning place to be. Hmm. It, it was my first time in Switzerland. I loved it. And I would describe it. It's exactly like what you think Switzerland might be in your mind. Yeah. Uh, lots of green space, lots of openness. The cities are fantastic. Uh, lots of culture and, you know, friendly people. Just an interesting vibe and country in the sense that um, went down to stay in Fribourg. And that's sort of right on the line where the country's, you know, changes between German and French. It's actually like through that city. And it's really interesting just to see the different culture from the German side to the French side. And then I guess if you go further down, you get into the part of the Swiss Italian side. And so yep. it's uh, it's really interesting. And I, I definitely would like to go back. And, yeah. and incredibly expensive, right? Yes. <laughs> like start, like uh, that was the first thing that hit me, like just off the plane in the airport, go to Starbucks, $10. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Or you okay. grab a beer, you grab a beer at a bar 
and it, it could be 18. Like, you know, it's, it's just crazy. And that was my takeaway, at least. And that was when I first broke into the NHL. So the, the wallet was still very tight. And there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of moths in there. And I, I just, I, I'm like, never imagined having to live there with those prices. Yeah, it's funny. The last night there, me and my buddy just, we were exhausted, just posted up at the hotel bar. And I got the tab at the end. It was like 300 Swiss francs, which is like, I like, and I was like, I was not drunk enough for that. So I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's that's, crazy. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, don't forget, as always, Craig is monitoring the chat because we're just not technically savvy enough to be able to do this on our own. Uh, he'll be back later with some questions cool. and stuff for us at the end. Plus, we'll talk about his golf day, which included, I don't want to ruin this, but he may have had a triple bogey in a best ball tournament. That's tough to do. How do you even um, do that, Craig? We'll talk. We'll talk with them about that later. It's so embarrassing. Ian Mendes is part of that group too. Uh, all right, let's get time to the headlines. Uh, brought to you by BEI. I've got some questions asked, Frank. Frank, I think you're going to enjoy my well thought out topics. Here we go. Uh, let's be frank. <laughs> Updates, perhaps, on Brady Kachuk uh, and some other RFAs around the uh, Ottawa Senators. Getting Frank on RFAs. That includes. Elias, Elias Pedersen, uh, Quinn Hughes, Kapril Kaprizov, like all these guys still not signed. So maybe it's not that big a deal that Brady Kachuk doesn't have a new contract yet. Zero Franks given. Uh, Cervelli selects the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Frank talks. The art of breaking news. And then finally, the best Frankfurters. That's right. Where do you get the best hot dogs on the road? Come on, Frank. Give me... <laughs> Give me some credit for these. How long, like, <laughs> how much brain power did you use doing that? About that's 45 way too seconds. Much, that's way too much Frank for anyone. Like, I wouldn't uh, want that much. My wife definitely would not want that much Frank. Well, we just, I listen, I felt, I felt like you didn't feel appreciated, so I wanted you to know how much appreciated you were by using the headlines. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> okay. So, I know you've been busy. You've been traveling around. Is Are you hearing anything on Brady Kachuk, perhaps, of getting a new deal done? Well, knowing I was coming on the Wally and Mathot show today, I did a little homework uh, this morning, made some calls. And I think the best way to describe everything at the moment on the Brady Kachuk front is that I think everything's been pretty cordial. Obviously, they, they don't have a deal done. And I think both sides would like to have had a deal done by this point. Uh, and the clock is ticking with training camp around the corner. And uh, I believe I'll see... Uh, Brady Kachuk later this week in Chicago at the NHL player media tour. So uh, I think there will be uh, more discussion on that front. Um, but I, I think cordial is a fair word. Um, hmm. There's been plenty of uh, talk and negotiation and that's been ongoing. I think there was a, uh, they had a, a long day in Toronto a few weeks back, I think a four or five hour session that they went back and forth the two sides met in Toronto. And so um there's certainly, I guess, um, would be fair to describe it as they have, you know, the two sides have knowledge where they're at is, is basically the way to put it. And so there's been lots of talk out there about a long-term deal and what that might look like. And I think, I still think that makes the most sense, um, you know, really from the sense perspective as well to achieve that kind of cost certainty if you can do it. But knowing the Kachuk camp and where they're at and knowing that, you know, after five years, we're probably going to see a pretty big rise in the NHL salary cap. Uh, in fact, we would have to statistically or, or just, you know, given the way things work um, oh. with, you know, paying this big debt back to owners. And once that's behind them, the cap can really rise in a significant way or should. Um, so 
I think they want to make sure that if they do a long-term deal, that they're not really leaving anything on the table. And so they're dealing with projections. You're dealing with projections of a player and how he'll continue to grow and how the sends get better and how his numbers change when he plays with players who are better. Um, those all go into the equation. And, and um, you know, I think they'll find a way to work something out. And, and if not, it's, it's going to be on a shorter-term bridge deal. And I, I still think the long-term deal is probably the focus. That's what I was going to ask you if you thought it was going to still be perhaps an eight-year deal to get him done. Now, uh, what day do you meet him in in uh, Chicago? And do we think that perhaps that's a pivot point only because he's going to get asked about it all the time? So if we get it done, then we can probably have a bigger day with Brady Kachuk and the media. Uh, that is a good question. I actually don't – I haven't seen the schedule just yet. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, but um, that would be – That'd be pretty interesting, you know, just to even shed some more light on it Yeah. Um, in terms of what that looks like, what his feelings are, his thoughts, uh, his overall sense of where he stands on, you know, how the Sens have progressed in this rebuild and when, where they're at, the rebuild now being declared over. All those yeah. things are, are probably really important to any player in terms of getting, when you sign for that long, you want to know what you're getting yourself into. And he's had enough of a window into it, I think, to, to make an informed decision. Okay, and, and while and and I got a question, and, and Wally, you might be able to answer here to just to give Frank a second. Like, if you're an unsigned RFA, are you still joining these media availabilities across the NHL? You know, like there's one in Toronto right now, or whatever. And, and Frank just mentioned something going down in Chicago. Are players that are unsigned still attending these things? I think so. Um, okay, it, it, each one is different, um, like you know, unique and interesting circumstances. I don't like maybe. I know that the Kachucks were offered to go to Chicago, both brothers, because I think they were still in St. Louis. So right. I I don't have the list in front of me. So I'm pretty sure Matthew is confirmed. I don't know about Brady. Maybe with okay. all this going on, he decides to pass and doesn't yep. end up going. But right. um, I think that's okay. certainly something that would be on the table. Okay. Uh, I know this may be uh, further off down the road and you may have not had a chance to hear anything about this. Are you hearing anything on Logan Brown, who's, again, an RFA, and it's been dead quiet. He hasn't been here this summer training. He's in St. Louis, from what I understand. Do we think that something's going to get done? I don't know the answer to that. I think yeah. all I know on my end is I'm fairly certain that Logan Brown changed agents this offseason. Mm -hmm. um, and so that... I, I think it was last year. He went from Andy Scott to, and now I can't remember. I think he he's with IMG? Jeff Jackson now. Um, yeah, yes. at Wasserman. Yes, so... I think that was going into last year. He changed. So Got it's it. interesting just to follow that along. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just don't expect him to play for the Ottawa Senators again. And I, I again, could be wrong. Um, all right, let's, let's move on. Uh, interesting stuff on Brady Kachuk because I hadn't heard that he had a five-hour meeting. And I know not him, but Craig Oster, his agent, had a five-hour meeting with uh, Pierre Doran. Uh, good stuff. Uh, so that leads us into the, the next topic, which is getting Frank on RFAs. Brought to you by Whitewater, of course, Always go to shop shopwhitewater.ca for all their tasty suds. Um, is that, should we be surprised, or I guess not surprised, that Quinn Hughes and Kaprizov and Darlene and uh, Pedersen, all these guys aren't signed yet, and same with Brady Kachuk, that this usually goes down to the, the wire to get big-name RFAs done to long-term deals? Well, I think it, it um, you know, you need the pressure point. You need that... Um, that deadline often in not just in hockey, but in business and life sometimes to mm -hmm. get something done. And with regards to Pedersen and Hughes, like just taking a look at the Canucks salary cap in general, 
um, you know, 10.6 in space, you, you know, that's with 24 players. So you could send a guy down. That's probably a minimum guy. That's 11, three. And then you've got Furlan that you could put on LTIR. So that gets you another three, five. So that's 14, eight in space, but you're looking at signing two guys. I'd have to think just based on the way, unless there's something else coming from Vancouver yeah. that we don't know about, my sense would be with 14-8 in space that I don't think it's possible for there to be a long-term deal for Pedersen or Hughes. Um, like the number even on a on a bridge deal for Pedersen is probably pretty high. Um, two 66-point seasons. And then you look at like uh, like to bring another Kachuk up again, like Matthew and his bridge deal that he had in, in Calgary, um, three times seven. Like I would have to think that that's probably some kind of comparable in terms of where that slots in with those two yeah. 66 point seasons. Um, and, and then I know, um, and but he's also a center too. So like, I, I know looking at um, then on the back end, it's a lot tougher to do a bridge deal with defensemen just because there, there aren't, doesn't happen all that often. You've got Wierenski at that three times five, just off the top of my head. Uh, you had McAvoy. I think he was three times four, nine. There was someone else in there, three times four, eight. Uh, Sergachev, I think it was. And then, you know, you've got some midterm deals like uh, uh, Provorov in Philly. I think he's six times six, four or somewhere in that neighborhood. So like it's all over the map, but I, I just have to think, looking at their cap structure at the moment, that that's probably the path that they have to go down at this point, given where they are uh, and the lack of space that they have. See, and this is why I waited to bring you on. So we get down to the nuts and bolts of all the contracts. Oh, uh, uh, but yeah. by the way, I left you hanging on Kaprizov. Uh, that one is interesting. There, I think uh, that thing has been off the rails a couple times, you know, as you could probably yeah. tell with some of the reporting that I had uh, at some point this summer, with uh, the threat of playing in the KHL. Obviously, that deadline has come and gone. September 1st is when their season started. I believe he's still training with CSKA Moscow, uh, and he is there, but I do think that the cost for insurance is pretty prohibitive. Uh, you know, Maybe if they get to a certain point and he's not signed, that they just go ahead and play and collect a, a serious paycheck in, in Moscow. Um, but... That, that negotiation has gone to some dark places at times. And for what he's meant to that team, uh, the shot in the arm that he gave that organization, uh, you know, people forget last season in the last week, 10 days of the year, they were in the president's trophy race in a really tough division with Colorado and Vegas. So he really helped take that team to the next level. Lots of changes this offseason with Parise and Suter gone. Uh, some new guys come in. And they need to get that done. And I, I think there's pressure for both sides. I think that it's probably heading towards something in the four or five year term. Um, Mike Russo from The Athletic had a story, I think it was last week, that pegged it somewhere in the five years times $9 million AAV range. I don't think they've settled on a number yet. But one of the big hangups has been signing bonus money and has been the, the no move clause, no trade clause what that looks like for the final two years of the deal, since he can't have one in the first three, that those things have really, it's been a major sticking point. Like, I don't think to this point, there's been much signing bonus involved, if any. And 
geez, uh, for what he's meant to that team, I, I don't know. I don't know where it ends up, but all I know is at the moment, as we're speaking on September 13th, not really in a great spot. Hmm. Yeah, that one's I, the whole KHL thing always finds it entertaining. But uh, is that the team to watch? Going like, is there one team that you have going into this year aside from the Seattle Kraken because they're new? Is there one that you're really interested to see how this plays out? I mean, there's a lot. I would say yeah. when you look at Colorado, even just staying out in in the West, like Colorado, you know, needing to actually win, take a step forward. Yeah, it's yeah. like losing in the second round is no good anymore. Um, Minnesota, like especially if Kaprizov isn't ready to go to start the year, what kind of impact does that have on their team in a, in a pretty difficult division? Um, you know, the, the Metro is, is nuts. And I, and I think, you know, getting back to the Sens, that's the, that's the real difficult part going back to that Atlantic and, and, and how that's set up is as, as good as I think the Sens are going to be in the future and all the fantastic young players that they have this year is going to be interesting in terms of setting expectations. Like what is the goal? What, Agreed. what is their stated, what do they want to achieve? Obviously it's to be more competitive, but when you look at the teams in that group with Tampa, Toronto, I think Florida is going to be excellent yep. this year. Yep. Montreal gets to the Stanley cup final. Then, you know, you've got Boston there. That's been really competitive. Good luck trying to make your four, it could be five playoff teams from that group. Yep. Then if you're the Sens, how do you find a way to break through and, and be part of that conversation? And, and really, how quickly can you do it? It's, yeah, like, I guess they st it has to be the goal has to be playoffs. I just don't see how they get there. And it's just based on all the other teams in front of them. But you never know with injuries and with who never, a goaltender not playing well. They might change out, but I think that uh, the Sens are in tough to make playoffs. That's for sure. And for, and Frank, what's the deal? What's what are the words or rumblings coming out of Toronto with our Leafs over there? What's like? Are there any changes <laughs> pending, depending on how they start, or is there a panic button that's already been pushed? What's what's happening there? They haven't yeah. even started the season, and you want the panic button pushed? Well, I'm just asking. It's a legitimate <laughs> question, Wally. I, I mean, look, I I don't think it's fair to unfair to ask a question about um, what their expectations are, what that level of patience is um i don't like personally i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if that team goes on a run where they lose 15 out of 18 that you know stuff starts to hit the fan yeah. um that's a team that was supposed to win supposed to take a step forward and the massive you know failure the way the wheels fell off uh against montreal like it there's there's no escaping the stink and stench of that there really isn't yeah. And Great. so when you get into this territory with these players that are high paid, this general manager that's been building this team a very certain way, um, you know, now you're going a different path with your goaltending. You know, the, the year before it was changing your, the look of your blue line. And so mm -hmm. there's only mm -hmm. so many different ways that you can tinker sort of with the foundation without, you know, really blowing it up and, and obviously they chose to stay the course and try and run it back and, and try and have the success that they had in the north last year the thing is right. they're not playing in the north now it's a it's a much more difficult division and and they need to make hay like there's no two ways about it so um like for me with that team moving forward i thought brendan shanahan said it so well that they lacked killers they lacked a killer instinct and, and you have to, you have to have that and 
they I don't know that they really brought anyone in this summer that you could say is a killer. Did some of those players on that team find a way to develop it? Are they going to be different this time around? Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now moving on to my favorite topic, I think, of all this, because I've always wanted to talk to you about it, and I know everybody has brought it up, and that is Zero Franks Given, brought to you by gongshow.com with all their latest fall lineup out. Of course, you can buy the Wally Mathot merchandise at gongshow.com. Okay, so you, you basically announced the Seattle Kraken to the world. It didn't go over necessarily very well with everybody, uh, including, I'm going to guess, Ron Francis, a general manager of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, first, I want to try and play this clip for you. Uh, from Chris Drieger, who we have coming up in a later show, but I asked him about that day, of course, the day he was drafted to the Seattle Kraken. Take me to the expansion draft day when you're seeing Frank Saravalli give out the entire list before the uh, announcement gets made. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. I know that the Kraken staff was not happy about that because I know I got in and they gave me like – like full undercover, like my room was under a different name. And I'm like, are you sure this is for me? It says like Carson Douglas. And they're like, well, you see like CD. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we're going serious undercover here. Uh, but yeah, so they, they did it well. And like I had, you know, someone at the hotel, like personally, like if I had any questions so that I wouldn't have to talk to like the regular people so that they can keep no it all hush hush. Yeah, they, so they did it right. They did a really good job. And then, yeah, that morning, you just see every single name on the list get leaked. And it's just like, well, that's too bad because they really set up a great, yeah. um, you know, they, they did a great job, like, announcing everyone. And they, they had some cool people um, announce the names. Uh, like, Macklemore was announcing names. Um, a couple other guys. Yeah, so there's some cool stuff like that. And, and there's tons of people that came out for it. It sounded like they got a pretty good audience on TV, too. So uh, it was, you know what, regardless of that, it was it was a great time and, like, an experience I'll never forget. All right, so uh, here it is. Uh, they've gone incognito. They've gone, they've changed players' names. They're hidden in hotels. Uh, do you want to take me through that day? Trying to think where to start. Like <laughs> it was one of those days that a lot came together in a, a short period of time in terms of snowballing. Um, you know, I, I think what happened was they had given, you know, I guess to get those players in, they had sort of made a few selections ahead of time. I don't know if it's one day or two days before, whatever it was. And then, you know, word starts to get out about those guys. Um, then, you know, once the list is submitted, I think it was 10 a.m. Eastern and all these teams now begin to find out about which player was taken. Well, word gets out quickly. Like, I don't know why mm -hmm. at a certain point the league felt like this was going to stay under wraps until 8 p.m. Eastern. You know, mm. you give someone 10, 10, hours. 10 hours to figure it out. Like, it, it, yeah. it's that's a, that's a long runway. Um, and so I'm not blaming anyone like, I, you know, and I got a ton of heat for that, um, you know, specifically from Seattle fans and that's fine. Like I, there was never any intention on my part to show anyone up or to reveal their team or to make, you know, life difficult for the show or the Kraken or anyone. I, you know, I get paid to be an NHL insider and like, that's just what I do. Yeah, right. So, um, no apologies on that front, but I do think that there was, you know, I wanted to let the Kraken know specifically after the fact that 
there was no ill will on my part and I wasn't trying to be a hero or anything like that. So uh, there was a conversation that I had with the Kraken to try and, um, you know, at least just lay that out there and let them know and, and be a pro and, and offer them that courtesy. And when you have so many different people involved, um, you know, the team gets the list. Then the other people in the front office know about the list. Then you call the player to let him know that he's been selected yep. or not. In some cases, some teams were calling players and saying, hey, just letting you know that you're safe. You're good. You're going to be with us moving forward. Then they call their agent. They text their group chat. They call their buddies. Like everything, it doesn't take long for news or info to spread. And so uh, there's so many different people involved that you know, it was inevitable. If it wasn't me on some of those players, it was going to be someone else. And um, yeah. that's just, that's really just the way life works sometimes. And, and that's what I want to point out. Like, if you didn't do it, somebody else was. And so for all that, like, that is your job. And and I sat back and I marveled at it. I will, as a guy that's been on that side of just watching breaking news, I full props to you. I, I, was, I was blown away and I thought it was such a good job. So the question was then, once you had a, like, I'm assuming you may have thought you were going to have a couple of names on the list, but once you started having six, seven, eight, nine, uh, were you getting more and more people just flooding you and now going, well, we got this guy or this guy's on the list. That, and that's what I was saying in terms of snowballing is like, I, you know, I started off the day and I printed off a blank roster um, with just every team, you know, Anaheim, Arizona, go down the list alphabetically. And as I would, you know, get a name, I'd, you know, tweet it, fill it in on my roster. And then all of a sudden, like I look down around lunchtime, and I'm like, holy smokes, like we have half the team or whatever the, the number was, <laughs> like this really happened fast and like, you know, sort of went, went wild. And, and there was so much intrigue, not just in like, um, you know, some of the smaller names, but like there were some really big names that were left available. Like the carry price situation was yeah. fascinating. What happens yeah. with Tarasenko in St. Louis? And, and, you know, you look at, you know, a team like Philly, for instance, they had James Van Riemsdyk and Jake Voracek exposed. Like would any of these, you know, bigger name players end up being taken? And so, you know, once we crossed those guys off, then it was a matter of like going through team by team um, and trying to dig to get the info. And Frank, so you mentioned you mentioned Carey Price. I remember, I think it was a day or two prior to the actual draft itself, where I think he was he publicly came out and made a little comment. It was very subtle, but in other words, I think, and I'm paraphrasing, it was more or less, uh, you know, I'm not really interested in getting out of here or going to Seattle. I want to stay in Montreal. Did that influence anything at all, or am I just overthinking it? I actually, I don't remember that happening. Um, I do remember some posts from his wife on social media, you know, kind of like, hey, this will all make sense soon. And then there was all that right, I... talk about the injury. And, and so I was mm -hmm. reporting on that. And, you know, even the timing of it was crazy going to see this specialist in New York, but they weren't going to find out until Thursday or Friday. And the draft is on Wednesday. And like, Very convenient. It was really interesting the way that that all played out. And honestly, yeah. um, I think in a weird way, like it, it kind of worked out like it was all supposed to for, for Montreal because they didn't want to lose Jake Allen. And I yeah. think Carey Price himself being uncertain about his own injury situation and maybe having to miss some time, that he also didn't want to leave the Canadians, a team that just got to the cup final, in mm -hmm. a rut by then saying, okay, 
Then Seattle takes Jake Allen, so and I'm hurt. So that means you know we're gonna what turn? We're gonna give Caden Primo the the ball and say, hey, you you need to carry our team for the first six weeks of the season. And oh by the way, welcome to the NHL. Like right, he would have put that team in a tough spot. And so I think there was certainly a push on his part to make sure that that didn't happen. And I was told I I never got final confirmation, but I was told that this whole you know game theory and how all this worked was partially his idea that he came to the Canadians and said, look, I don't know what my situation is. I know that I'm not 100%, but what if we did this? What if I volunteered to waive my no move? And they actually, as I reported, they missed the deadline to ask him to waive his no move. And they uh. had to get a special exemption from the NHL and the NHLPA that basically said, look, this deadline was in place to protect players from teams coming to them too late or after the fact. And since this player wants to waive voluntarily, then that's fine. He's allowed to do right. that. And, and we're going to let him do it. So the whole thing and the way that it played out behind the scenes was it was fascinating. Hmm. It was fascinating. Another part of that fascinating part is uh, from the chat, Ninja High wants to know, did Frank hear of any potential side deals with Seattle that just didn't happen? Never heard any conversations about side deals. I, I think there was some chatter. They tried. Um, you know, without question, like I, I did report a little bit on, um, like Jake Voracek and Philly. Like, I think they had said, Hey, uh, we see that he's out there and you're going to expose him. We'll take him off your hands for a first round pick or whatever, right. whatever the conversation ended up being that, uh, that didn't come to fruition because consistently, I think everyone had said across the board that Seattle's ask to, to take players and to eat contracts was so exorbitantly high and, and probably mm -hmm. rightfully so, given the fact that they're armed with all that cap space that they could put it to good use to harvest assets. But I think in some ways, um, I wonder if Seattle maybe over, like just thinking back to how the draft played out, did they overplay their hand a little bit, not making any side deals? Like yeah. it's nice to ask for, a lot like you know if your house is worth 300 and you ask you know you say i want 500 for it well if no one gives you what you want like you're still sitting there and you can't sell your house so is it more reasonable to ask for just a little bit more instead of a ton um mm -hmm. i don't know you know how that all works and i guess time will tell in terms of what assets seattle ended up getting but um it was seattle had a pretty clear intention going in Ron Francis is nothing if not methodical. And, um, you know, I, I, we'll see. Uh, interesting. The last question I have on this topic is, do you plan to visit Seattle anytime soon? I do plan to, if I'm granted a credential, I plan to go for the <laughs> opening night. Uh, I love Seattle as a market. Uh, it's an awesome city. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the passion that all of the Kraken fans have and clearly filled my inbox and my mentions with. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, like, and this is like totally raw and, and I haven't really shared this with a lot of people. For as big a day as that was in terms of like, you know, trending on Twitter and all these like ridiculous memes. I did spit and chiclets. They called me Dr. Evil. Um, for all that stuff, like I actually went to bed feeling not that great about the day that I had. Yeah. Um, because it was so mixed, like that isn't my job or goal is to ruin anyone's parade or rain on their party. And like the, some of the messages that I got, like, I, I don't all, I kind of block all that stuff out for the most part. Like, mm. trust me, 
I'm from Philly. Uh, I covered the Flyers for a long time. And I, like the stuff that I got in my inbox to start my career is enough to like give anyone thick skin. <laughs> but just some of the stuff was so deeply personal. Like it was like, mm. like I got one message from someone that was like, hey, uh, just want to let you know that uh, I have a son that's special needs. And we had really been looking for forward to this expansion draft for the last eight weeks. And it's all your fault. You ruined it. And we didn't See? even watch the expansion draft because of you. And it's all your fault. And I was kind of like, that hurts. Like I, I'm, I'm still a human and yeah. I have emotions and I have everything else. And I wasn't trying to like upset anyone or anything like that. But I think what people also lose sight of in the grand scheme and I'll get off my soapbox is social media is a contract and whether right. you know it or not, you actually sign it when you log on. And part of that is like, you don't have to see it. Like you don't, you could have just like shut your Twitter off. You could have exactly done something else with your day and then still enjoyed the draft because it was going to be the draft no matter what. It was the same players. It's not like mm -hmm. something changed at the last minute. And I think that's sort of maybe where like our society in general loses a little bit of focus is like social media is not real life. And I try and remember that when I also put my phone down, unfortunately, at the end of the day and see some of the things that are on it. But it does like, I'll be honest, it, it does eat at you. It can. Yes. And I try and block a lot of that out. I, yeah, I completely and, agree. And, and, and I was just going to add to that. I mean, Wally and I had your back and I was actually pretty vocal about it, even on Twitter that day where I'm like, you can't blame a guy for doing his job. And, and you mentioned it right there, Frank, and it ends the entire argument. It's like, you don't want to see any of this stuff. Just stay off social media. And we all know with social media, particularly Twitter, there tends to be a lot of people that lose their humanity a little bit when it comes to everyday topics, because you're not really ever accountable for anything you say on there. And so I'm with you on that. And, and again, I can't stress this enough. I think most level-headed people know that you're just doing your job and it was a, just a very vocal group of people that, you know, aren't maintaining any accountability that were the ones that were very outspoken towards you. So pay no mind to that. It sounds like you're, you're approaching it the right way, but it's it's very akin to anything I had been through, especially when I was playing in the playoffs. That's what I was going to say. It's like you yeah, have the Crosby stuff. Like I'd get attacked by a lot of people. And some of it, as you mentioned, is incredibly personal. And it's like you try to be that guy where you can tune it out and you're professional about it. But at the end of the day, when you're putting your head on the pillow, some of that stuff still kind of gets you. You know what I mean? You want to play the tough guy role or whatever it is. But let's face it, when you're getting personally attacked by a number of people, it sticks with you. It, it does. And and I think, like, I, I went to bed knowing or at least feeling like everything I did was on the up and up. And I know that it was. Yeah. So that enables me to sleep at night. But as much as you pretend like you try and block it out or you want to, that you're not always successful in doing it. And obviously on a way lesser scale and like, I probably never have a day like that again in my career. Uh, hopefully I do, but I probably won't. And it's like, just one of those things. It was like a really small window into what it might be like to be a player in this league in a major market, um, yeah. like in Ottawa, like in Montreal, somewhere Toronto, that's super passionate that as much as you try and, and block all that out or don't log on, you can't like it gets to you somehow, whether it's your buddies texting you, exactly. whether it's your wife seeing it, your family, yeah. whatever it is, it even if you're not even on social media, which some days I really wish I wasn't. I wish I didn't have to look and use Twitter all day. Um, 
I, you can't avoid it. That's just the way mm -hmm. life is today. Yep, totally agree, which is going to lead us right into our next topic called Frank Talks. Uh, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Log on to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. Uh, sign up now because the NFL season is underway and they've got all kinds of betting options for you to pick. And, and that includes the Dallas Cowboys that are likely to win this, the Super Bowl because they're fantastic. Uh, so, Frank. Sorry, what did you just say? Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get things turned around, I swear. Um, the art of breaking the news. And and it's not always, and we've just spent the last five minutes talking about, it, like it's not always a fun thing to do. And especially if you're breaking news, a lot of times it's stuff that people don't want other people to know. Let's just say like a coach losing his job, getting fired. There's humanity at the other end of the, this, I guess, the tweet. But, but the reality is that's your job to do. It. And I think you do a fantastic job of it. Like, I guess, how hard is it on you to try and do those things where it's not like, the simple, oh, they're going to sign a player for six years. That stuff's okay, but it's the other stuff at the other end. Some of it I think is really um, easy. And I say that just like, just be a human being. Like certain things are just off limits, like um, someone passing away. Yeah. Um, you know, some, you know, could be, depends on what it is. Like a coach getting fired or a GM getting fired is different because that happens all the time. Um, and that's like hard news and that's something that you break, but there's certain things like, I just, you know, just want to be really respectful because people have families, people have, you know, everyone, it, like I said, everything travels so fast, you know, even with regards to things like trades um, and, you know, kids finding out in school or, you know, while their, their dad is, you know, whatever, he's going to be moving away for the next however many months. Like that's not easy. So I have full respect for that. Um, in terms of when we do it. And I don't ever take that responsibility lightly. Um, but the the breaking news part of it, like it just, that's the nature of the beast. And sometimes stuff like that happens that a guy finds out he's traded on Twitter or, um, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury finds out he's going from Vegas to Chicago on Twitter. Like that stuff happens all the time. Um, seemingly oddly in this league more than others. Um, but that's generally how it works. How or who is the general manager? I'm going to decide for maybe it's Ron Francis, but which like who's most upset with you most of the time? <laughs> uh, honestly, I I don't know. I don't I don't have like I don't at least I hope I'm not on anyone's list. Uh, <laughs> maybe I am. Um, I don't know. I like I try to be. I try to give everyone courtesy. Like even if I can't. Um, like I didn't confirm it through, like, I'll give you an example. It's not like, I don't have like a name or anything attached to it, but like, um, you know, say I find out about a signing or a trade or something, even if it's someone that I generally don't talk to on a regular basis, I try to at least send a message, a, a text or something that just says, Hey, um, this is the information that I have. Uh, I'm going to be reporting it in five minutes or whatever it is. Uh, if it's inaccurate, please tell me. Um, and if not, like, I just want to let you know, I'm giving you a courtesy that, you know, if I can do it, I'd like to give a courtesy of like, Hey, just letting you know that I have this and it's going to be going out soon. Just so that I don't like to blindside people. And yeah. it's, it's not always, um, you can't always accomplish that. And, and the other part of it is, you know, you're not going to make everyone happy. So, mm. uh, there's sometimes some damage control that is involved where, 
you may end up being on someone's list for a while and, and you may go through a cold spell where like you just don't talk to a certain GM or, or whatever it is for a, a while. And I've had really interesting dynamics and situations in my career that have played out where I don't talk to a guy for three years, five years, whatever it is. And I just try and find a way if I can, maybe I'll never, like, maybe I'm just dead to that guy and I'm never coming back. And I fully <laughs> realize that that's a possibility. And there may be certain guys that I don't even know it with, um, whether it's an agent or a player or whoever it is. Um, but I try and always break the ice. Like if something like life is too short and like, even uh, like just on a personal level, like even if you hate my guts and I actually, I know there's a GM out there that I, you know, had a long standing thing with that I like, I just apologize. And I said like, whatever's going on, like I, it wasn't personal. I didn't mean anything by it. And that's that I don't, I'll never be getting information from that guy, but at least hopefully like next time I call or next time I send a message that there's at least enough respect there to know that like, you know, I'm not, I'm not out to get them or I'm not evil. Was there, who was the first argument you had with, or someone who called you upset with something? Do you remember that first discussion? It was probably, I was covering the flyers and the GM at the time was Paul Holmgren, which is a really scary guy to get a call from <laughs> uh, not being very happy with you. And like, he was one of those guys that, it didn't happen all that often, but like he would be upset and like, he'd finally get through it. And then he'd be like, okay, I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. And it was like, it kind of felt good knowing that when you hung up the phone, that it was over, that he'd find a way to move on and you would too. And it wouldn't linger. I always appreciated guys that would erupt like a volcano and then like they got it off their chest and then that yep. was it. And you could just move on. Um, I think, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for, just speaking your piece and getting it out there instead of, hmm. I don't, I don't really enjoy, again, maybe this is just being from Philly. I don't really enjoy passive aggressive behavior. Just tell me what you think, even if you, even if it's not nice and I don't like it, like I'd at least rather know where I stand than be guessing. Hmm. John Muckler was my first. And I can remember he would always be listening to the radio. And I said something one day on the radio and we're at the meal room pregame and I'm sitting with a bunch of media guys. Then all of a sudden, Mux sits down and the other guys just get up and leave. <laughs> so now it's just Mux and I, and Mux is just going at me like, I can't believe you. And so it was it was funny in the end because we both got along really well. But I always remember, I'm like, John Muckler's coming after me here. Anyway, it was too good. I, I always enjoyed conversations with GMs who w took the time to come af like come to you and say, I disagree with this, but at least they, we can discuss it, and which is what basically you just said. So always enjoy a good uh, GM chat. Uh, finally, uh, last topic of conversation, best Frankfurters. So, uh, as I know in the media, we love to eat on the road. Uh, do you have a place that's got the best hot dog? I, you're probably going to say Montreal, but I'm wondering if there's a chance it's an outside surprise. Uh, that's the only one I can think of. Like, I mean, Same. what about look, the streets of New York? I mean, like, look at me, like I'm clearly a guy that enjoys a good meal. Um, <laughs> And a, and a good hot dog from time to time, but uh, I can't, I can't even know. Like I would never, I'm not like a street yeah. meat guy. I don't think I'd be like at a cart in New York getting food. So like, no, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> me, yeah. uh, me either. That's terrible. No street meat. So I can only <laughs> I really think of like, you know, between periods at the bell center. Uh, yeah. That's it. Uh, 
what do you put on your hot dog? Is like, are you just a normal ketchup mustard? I'm a kind relish of guy? guy. Oh, just, nice. Just Very relish. Nice. Just relish, or wow. sometimes I'll do just ketchup. But I don't understand the people that are like mixing ketchup and mustard on the same dog, or then also throwing like onions and relish on. Like, ah, uh, come on, Frank. Why? Too, too much. All right, really? fine. I'm not going to attack you for that. But that's. So, I mean, it's so like, what do you? So you load it up. Basically, it's like a supreme pizza, but like on a hot. <laughs> yeah, stick. with a little bit of processed meat in the middle of the bun. But for those listening, <laughs> the Montreal hot dogs are legendary in the NHL because I'm sure there are people that have no idea what we're talking about. And the buns are almost like a folded piece of bread, right, Frank? With yep. like and while it's toasted, and it's got a ton of butter on it, and they're just they're cooked perfectly. But they're I like the- they're very skinny. They're like skinny yeah. yes. weenies, and but they're like they're not even like. You, you get a, like I, when I grill a hot dog in the summer or whatever on the barbecue, like I, it's like crispy and crunchy and like it's yeah. well done. These are not like, these are like oddly, like it's almost like you feel like it's like barely warmed up, but for whatever reason, it's so small and the bread is buttered. It's just like, it's You're unbelievable. <laughs> the Shen show. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There's always a lineup. <laughs> so you can't get them before the end of the first period. And so all of a sudden you'll come down and there'll be all the, off ice officials and it's immediate it's like 25 people deep waiting to get these stupid hot dogs yeah they're so they're so good that i've seen eric carlson eat i think two or three of them less than an hour before a game once (laughs) i don't know that we had a great game but he ate three of them and he's not a big person and he was playing an elite sport within an hour after he ingested those three hot dogs that sounds pretty that's like the definition of elite i think yeah <laughs> that's why he's an all-star if you can do that and go out and play yeah. 60 minutes oh yeah, yeah dude it was crazy we were all shocked anyway yeah good for him uh yeah. that wraps up the headline portion but i just want to I, I guess continue our conversation because i've always enjoyed uh, chatting with you and despite the fact you're number 40 into our episodes here i think you're number one uh is like what's I guess what's next for Frank uh, now that you've joined the DFO daily face off and you've got your podcast going on, are you going to be traveling around a lot? What are you up to? Uh, I'm going to be doing a little bit of traveling, not a lot. Uh, So the big thing that we're going to have coming out in a few weeks, you'll see a trailer. Uh, We're going to be doing a a daily streaming show and that's going to be one of the real sort of crown jewels. One of the, big things that we're targeting in terms of daily face-off and making an impact is I just feel like there's so much room for growth in uh, in our sport in terms of coverage. Like when you think about the NFL here and how it's covered, it's like, it's an all, not only an all day long thing, it's an all week long. And I know it's different because of their schedule. Yeah. It's 24 seven. And so yeah. like, I, I feel like in the hockey world, at least, it's so focused on the coverage is so focused on the game and that night's action that like we kind of lose the conversation piece throughout the day of all the different things that are happening around the league. And so we're envisioning a 30 minute show um, that's going to be Monday to Friday every day. You can tune in and stream it wherever you stream and, and have that conversation, jump around to the different teams, uh, jump around to the different topics, news items, uh, controversy, conversation, and 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 really be all encompassing in terms of prospects, goalies, like dive into lots of different things. Like I said, the draft, the salary cap, like all those different parts and facets of the game that I think we as hockey, like hockey fans miss sometimes because it's, I don't know that it's properly served. 
um, you know, especially in the digital world. So uh, we're going to be doing that, some podcasting, uh, obviously written stories and articles, lists, rankings, all the things that, um, you know, sort of I've been doing in my career. And I'm in the process of rounding out a team, uh, hiring some people, uh, actually just hired a former NHL player last week. So we're going to have some announcements nice. coming. And, uh, and we're excited to, to just be a new player in the, in the digital world. It's not meth, right? Just want to, want to make sure. It is not meth. Okay, meth, go. Frank we, never we gave me talk, a call. We could talk offline if you're interested. No, yeah, this fire, fire over. me a text after the interview, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Frank, uh, what's the number of times, by the way, I feel like I'm authority to ask you this question, that you've been asked to dye your hair? By someone at work? Anybody. Or in general? No one. Like how many I, times have you heard Grecian formula or some ridiculous just for men comment? Never once. <laughs> I don't understand so that. Like you guys have this beautiful blend of white and your original hair color. Like I want that. I want that look. <laughs> so when you guys, if, if like Wally, if presumably yeah. you're being told or Frank to dye your hair, that is insane. So that's just somebody straight up hating on you guys. So rock it and own it. Well, so, I mean, I do own it. I get conversation from a lot. Well, like here's part of the problem, Meth, is I'm only 33. So like I look way <laughs> older than I am. And that. <laughs> You know, that could also be to, due to some poor lifestyle choices along the way, which is a topic for another day. But um, <laughs> like for me, I don't, like I am what I am. Like I'm not like, I don't feel any need to go out and, and change who I am to, you know, no, first off, no one's ever asked me because I think they really? also probably know it's, it's a non-starter. Like really work never asked. Uh, my wife has never asked. Like, and if she doesn't care, like, I don't really care what anyone else thinks. So um that, you know, I'm really comfortable in my own skin. So I never really felt any need to change it. And in fact, in an odd way, uh, being so young and having spent a lot of time, you know, I've been covering the NHL since I was 20. I mean, I think in an odd way, it's helped me. I started going gray at 18. Like no one was ever yeah. like, who's this, you know, who's this chump? Yeah. And yeah. they kind of, everyone kind of always took me seriously from the jump. So maybe I owe something to my gray hair in my career. <laughs> when I first started in TV, I was like 21, whatever. And they're like, would you consider putting some gray in your hair and wearing glasses to look older? And then it got to the point where, would you consider dyeing your hair dark? And I'm like, no, no, we're good. So anyway, actually, that's... you know what? I take it back though. The only person that's ever asked me was my mom. She's oh. like, why don't you just like, you have those shampoos now. Like you just like. It, it brings a little back every now and again. I'm like, for what? Like, why yeah. would I do that? And, no. and like, yeah. I think like really like her thing would be like, Frank, can you lose 50 pounds? Like that would be like, <laughs> that would make things a lot easier. My mom's like a health nut and a fitness freak. So she, she's always on me about my weight. And like, to be fair, it's, it's absurd, but um, like, to, like that would probably also help me not look like looking like 50 if I could drop 50. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I've, I've been asked a few times. So that's why I was always curious. One time I had to do a photo shoot and I wasn't heavy enough. So they stuffed me full of newspaper just to fill out the clothes. So I've had to deal with all that stuff. So I, I appreciate it. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, we've had some fun, Wally. Uh, yeah, uh, we and I don't know if I can tell this story or not. But one time we were on the road and uh, during a, a Sens playoff run, and we were doing a we were doing a panel, and someone said, "Hey, look, it's small, medium, and large." And I won't say who the large was, but I was like, "Am I the large?" <laughs> so, yeah, small, medium, and large. And Wally was definitely the small. 
that's and, great. And even like we've taught, we've joked about that for the, ever since. I, I and I want to say it's like four or five. It's got to be four or five years ago. And we always just joke like here's small, medium, and large together again. So yeah. uh, it was nice to have you together. Now you would actually be medium because Meth would be the large guy. Um, oh. So you can still be part of it. He's six foot five and two hundred and thirty pounds or more. Yeah, but I, I still know. outweigh him, so that's not right. <laughs> and I'm definitely not six foot five. Yeah, but he's he's just the big guy. Uh, I can't keep you any longer because it's. I told you we'd keep you for an hour. So uh, yeah. I appreciate you stopping by, Frank. It means a lot to me, and it's nice to see you again. And we want you uh, all the best with DFO, and especially with your uh, upcoming daily streaming. That'd be uh, fantastic to tune into. A pleasure to finally be in the Wham rotation, <laughs> and uh, don't be a stranger. Uh, loved working with you, and and Meth, yeah, great to chat same. with you. And uh, thanks, good brother. luck with the show. It's been awesome. Thanks, Thank buddy. you. Thanks, appreciate Frank. it. Take care. We'll talk soon. There goes Frank Cervelli uh, from DFO, also uh, co-hosted with uh, Jason Greger. Uh, Matt, he's fantastic to talk to. Like, he's got great stories, good personality, and he's got that Philly bite to him. Which yeah, I he does. He does. Yeah. I was trying to get a rise out of him a couple times. He was just stone-faced. I'm like, okay, yeah. this guy's from Philly. <laughs> yeah, don't mess around with him. Uh, good to good see guy. him. Uh, let's let's yeah. bring in Craig now, brought to you by Faces Magazine. Uh, facesmag.ca, of course. The latest issue is Austin Watson. The one before that, Nick Paul, and the one before that, Mark Mathot. What's in common is all three of them played in the golf tournament on Friday. There's Austin Watson. Um, which leads us to Craig, and let's just get right to it. Um, can you talk to us about the play of your foursome? Yeah, uh, it was not uh, stellar. <laughs> they, were, they were honest. They were yeah, very we honest. Were. Yeah, we honestly played one hole pretty terribly is what happened so and then i think it was like the, the second or third hole or whatever so here's yeah. the foursome because i don't want to take i'll take 25 percent of the blame uh i don't feel like taking 100 percent today on the show but uh, here's our foursome we had uh ian mendez who didn't help us on much on that hole uh adam wood dear adam wood from uh Ad the ottawa senators helps us out on here sometimes and uh alex allard who's uh switching today for us on the live show uh and man it was just it was a mess like nobody hit a good tee. our best tee shot was like in the woods so we were in trouble off the hop nobody rallied to save it nobody made a putt like it was bad so yeah we mm -hmm. honestly we got a seven as a group <laughs> on a par four yeah, it happens yeah it now happens. we battled back and we ended even for the day so we got some birdies too and, and a few other bogeys and whatever else along the way but uh yeah honestly it was just a lot of fun to be fair we were kind of trying like we were just kind of having some drinks and meeting people we had yeah. uh we had that uh, uh foursome behind us too with nick paul and drake batherson and austin watson and, and chris neal so like those tea boxes were a mess sometimes like you're trying to tee off and you got chris neal chirping you it's like sometimes you're not going to do so good uh so yeah it was fun that was not a great hole for us um yeah, I don't. Matt, Matt, how'd you play that? I didn't see. We saw you a couple times on the course, but uh, yeah, I was you? with uh, with Justin McKinnon, the owner of Faces Mag, and I was actually supposed to play with the hot the, the players, and then Nick Paul, who initially bailed, decided to come back and play, which inevitably bumped me out of that foursome. But I had a blast with Justin and his buddies. We had a lot of fun and hit the ball pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a great event, right? Like we were lucky yeah. with the weather. They took good care of us out there, the Canadian. We had some really good vendors, some good. Uh, brisket on the course, a couple of whitewater tents. Um, I, if, you know, mix that in with Justin buying a lot of Mick ultras for me as the day <laughs> progressed, it almost looked like a cooler in our golf cart. That's how many beer, how many beers, we had. <laughs> but no, all jokes aside, great opportunity to raise a little money for do it for Darren foundation. And, um, you know, I, I got a, a text from Luke and, and Stephanie Richardson 
the next day, you know, thanking Wally and I and yourself, Craig, for coming and, and getting the event kickstarted. So uh, for me, at least from my perspective, at least, and from my understanding from all the members and players that were at the tournament, that it was a good success and everyone had a lot of fun. It, like, I was blown away. So I, I don't know what I was supposed to expect to see, but it was amazing just to see a, a great day for golf. Uh, B, everybody just seemed to want to get out on the course after this ridiculous pandemic they've gone through. Um, and we had, like, as you mentioned, Neeler, Watson, Paul, and uh, Drake Batherson show up all on their own. They didn't have to show up, and they decided like, they were coming out just to play in this golf tournament. And so yeah. uh, it was huge to have them show up and support us. Uh, Andy Scott, player agent, was there. Kent Manderville and, and Rob Murphy, both former players, they also just showed up to play. Uh, lots of great support. And then there was Wagyu beef that I missed out on on one of the holes. Yeah, I was going to say, that was the wiser That was the wiser meets yeah. uh, section. And I know the, the guy, the owner, his name's Tim Frisbee. It's the Frisbee Tire family. Yep. And he started a meat company. And again, I'm not getting paid for this, but it was it was really, really <laughs> good. And uh, he had this Wagyu beef that he, he woke. So I asked him about it. And Tim was saying that he woke up at 1 a.m. to put it on his Traeger. And then uh, essentially woke up at whatever time and it was still cooking before he left for the course. But there's a lot of time put into that thing. And they were selflessly just handing out burgers to people and everyone had a blast. Uh, and, and the food was fantastic. So if we can replicate anything similar to that next summer, I think we'll be doing just fine. Okay, so before I get to the Tom Brady jersey, I would just want to show you uh, Nick Paul had the shot of the day. But if we, mm -hmm. re if we rewind the video, we're going to show his approach shot that led to this. Alex? Let's go. Okay, so Nick Paul on 18 with his approach. Uh, so he, he hits it off the toe. It goes like five feet. And then he steps up, though, and this is his next shot. Pulls it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so beauty. Good. So those guys had a great time. Uh, it was fun to watch. Great golf course. Now, as we get to the dinner part, it's fantastic. Guys. Somehow you end up in a bidding war with Drake Batherson over a signed Tom, Bur Tom Brady Bucks jersey so, from last season. Yeah, and it was a signed uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey, right? So Yeah, MVP uh, from season, what, yeah. From my understanding, the jersey was actually purchased for about $3,500. Yeah. And so the bidding started pretty high, and I started it off, or at least to raise my hat at $3,500, I was sweating. I'm like, who am I kidding bidding on this thing? But I, I almost spit out my beer. Uh, a part of me, yeah, but a part of me genuinely wanted it, and I would have been okay with awesome. that because it's 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 for a great cause. Yeah. And and I mean, like, gee, we're talking about the greatest. Well, I don't know that it's an argument anymore, but he's the greatest quarterback of all time, or at least the most successful, anyway. And so, all of a sudden, Drake behind me playing the hero card decides to start bidding on it too, and I'm thinking, oh god, like here we go. And 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 I and I'm fully aware of the new deal that he signed, right? So <laughs> that has a big thing. <laughs> The back of my mind that's coming into play it's it's a factor so then i think he goes to like 3600 i go to 3700 and at this point there's a bit of a pause and i'm thinking oh boy i might actually have to pay 3700 <laughs> and then and, and also there were mind games like i i could feel drake and his reluctance to to, to keep going i think because he felt bad for me yep. like almost it was very embarrassing. It was humiliating. And then eventually he finally closes it off at $4,100. And I'm like, that's it. I can't go beyond that. My wife will probably kill me. So, you know, good for him. We got it up there a little bit. At least there was a bit of a net profit on that. And it yeah. goes to a great cause, but we had a little fun there. And obviously I post a tweet about it and kind of self-deprecating tweet and it does pretty well. So I'm happy for Drake. It's going to look great in his basement. 
I would much rather have had it in my gym or my basement here. Wasn't in the cards. So this is how Craig and I see it because we're sitting next to each other and Craig, uh, Drake is at the same table and you're in front at four grand, you turn around and you have this look of like, please (laughs) stick your hand up. Oh, no, 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 no. I turned around. He was right beside me. No, I I remember. I, I turned around and told him, I'm like, dude, if you want to bid on it, go for it. That's what I said. Because I I could feel, I almost, I felt bad. Like it felt like he was holding back. Because, you know, it, it was me and it was our tournament and all that stuff. So I just wanted to let him know, like, it's all good. That's essentially what I was talking to him. He really wanted it. He really wanted I, it. Oh, yeah. No, no. I legit. Yeah. I, that Nick- that day, or was it that night or the night before, I had posted a Tom Brady picture on my Instagram. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll leave it at that. Nick Paul it's was good. egging him on, too. So it was good. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, he wasn't sh- Originally, he wasn't sure if he was – like, he wanted it. And he's like, oh, I kind of yeah. want that. And we're like, do it. Like, get in there. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to add – just to add to this with the Sens guys that showed up. I mean, that was – it's – I can speak on this from, from being a past player. There was no incentive for them to be there other than they wanted to support the cause. Um, and and it just speaks to their level on, on how classy these guys are and caring and – um, I got to meet Austin Watson for the first time. I mean, just a down-to-earth, super nice guy. And it's amazing, eh? Because you watch these players on TV, and sometimes you have this preconceived notion of who they might might be off the ice until you actually meet them in person. A lot like Chris Neal. He's a good example where yeah. yep. these guys are just teddy bears, very nice people. Uh, Nick Paul had the tightest shorts imaginable <laughs> on that day, and the boys were just giving it to him the whole time about that. But he's also a freak of nature and very strong. So I, he was rocking it. And uh, Drake was there, very good golfer. And like I said, with Austin Watson, super nice guy, missing all his teeth. We had a long chat between Neeler, Watson, and myself about teeth. That went on for about five minutes. It was very interesting, very colorful. Uh, but other, other, other than that, I just like I said, I wanted to make sure that we got this out there, that we thank them for coming because uh, they didn't have to be there and they came. Same applies to you know, Manderville and, and Andy Scott, the yep. agent. I mean, it was really just an all-around great day. So here's a story because uh, whenever Nick Paul and Austin Watson play golf or they go anywhere, everybody talks to Nick about the gold medal and scoring the winning goal. And Watson's had enough. He's just, I'm tired. Like, stop asking about this. So the next, one of the few times they play golf recently, whatever, Nick takes the gold medal and uses it as his ball marker. Nice. Such nice. a boss move. I love it. Yeah. So Nick says to me, that goes, awesome. I'm standing at one of the tee boxes and he goes, can you just bring up uh, scoring the winning goal? Uh, and so I waited for Nick to tee off and I was like, man, that's like a gold medal winning. And, and all of a sudden, like Austin Watson is like, for the love of God, enough of this. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It was oh, funny. Awesome. At the end of it, that's something Drake told me too, is he, he, he's like, I could listen to Chris Neal tell stories all day. Like you kind of yeah. miss, like you kind of yeah. have that old guard and the new guys. And, and obviously like Nick Paul, he's played with everybody because he's played there for the last however many seven years or whatever it's been. Yeah. So he's played with Chris Neal, but Drake Batherson really didn't have a lot of Chris Neal time before. So just the stories that were going on with those guys. Oh yeah. yeah. To see yeah he was the, disappointed. The yeah. Um, Neeler uh, had to leave because he had a, a previous engagement. So he didn't stay for the dinner, but the other guys did. And Drake's like, you know, it's too bad Neeler's not here, man. Yeah. I could, I still got to talk to him. So yeah, it's interesting. Hopefully they'll all get around to more alumni just hanging out at the rink so they can get a chance to chat more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we will find out this week uh, the amount of money we've raised. Uh, it's well in excess of $10,000, I hope. So uh, it'll be good to give a, a big check to DIFD. I've never done this before. So I'm actually kind of excited to get the big check and go present it. Mm-hmm. 
we will do it again next year, guys. Absolutely. I, I already told them. We're going to try and not avoid that, the, the triples next year. <laughs> we got to bring right. in, I think, I think we got to bring in like a live band or something just to really fire up the day or even like a bagpiper before the tournament starts and just okay. walk around. It, yeah. like, that's, that's something that I'm yeah. thinking I might have to organize. We'll see. I'm into that. That's actually a good point. Okay. Um, Thank you. We'll move on, but that's it for now. I, I, I do enjoy that point. Uh, all right, guys, I hope you had a great day of playing golf yeah. and uh, let's do it again. And let's uh, get on to uh, some trivia, Craig. Yeah, for sure. Actually, do you guys want to answer one or two questions before? I got a couple uh, that we oh, sure. asked in the chat. There's, you, you guys honestly answered a bunch of them, but there's a few in there that, uh, that I thought were probably uh, worth asking here. Um, the one that I wanted to kind of touch base on first was uh, uh, when, when you guys were talking about uh, social media stuff and uh, the reporters reporting stuff and then people being mad at them. Uh, Meth, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had somebody, a reporter that would report things that either you didn't want or weren't true or whatever else? Like, did you ever have any kind of bad relationship? Yeah, I had an incident. And how do you deal with that? Yeah, I had an incident in Columbus, but it wasn't like, it was It was my own doing, you know, but uh, Aaron Portsline was a beat writer there and he was sort of like the guy that was always posting and about the team and the, the notable presence from the media. And um, this was, I think, my third year, maybe my fourth year where I had to make the team basically or... And um, it was during training camp and, and Portsline did a little phone call with me, a quick interview right before camp started or during camp. And basically I was pretty frustrated at that point um, because I knew I belonged. I hadn't really cracked the lineup yet. And long story short, I, and I, I know I've told the story before, but I basically said that if, you know, if they Columbus didn't want me good riddance, I'll go somewhere else. I said that to him on the phone and he ran with it, of course, right. Yeah. It was in the newspaper the next day. And I still remember walking into the gym and Frederick, Freddie Modine, Modine was a, a veteran, NHL veteran of like, you know, 15, 16 seasons. And he's riding the, the stationary. And we didn't have cell phones really at, at that point, like with social media. So he's reading the newspaper and he looks up at me and he kind of shook his head and he goes, oh, okay, math. Or he said something like that, you know, and I thought right away, I'm like, oh my God, what is he talking about? Grab a paper. I finally read it. Went through the dressing room. I was lucky. Scott Housen, the general manager at the time, I don't think took too much offense to it. He basically kind of had my back in a weird way where he was like, well, you know, I, I liked it. The, I liked the fire and the drive and the motivation, yada, yada, yada. And kind of just buried the story. But had I had a general manager that maybe had a little bit more personality, it could have gone south for me very quickly. So that that could have made or break my career in many ways, right? And, and it didn't. Yeah. It worked out in my favor because I had a good camp, thank God. But uh, I've had run-ins like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're responsible for what comes out of your mouth. And you could pay the piper for it depending on how negative it gets. Right, I mean, the bagpiper. <laughs> <laughs> that one uh, yeah, that one came in from uh, Ninja High. I'll, we'll do one more, and then we'll get on to some trivia here. And this is another thing that came up with Frank that someone caught, and I just wanted to ask that we haven't really talked about yet, which is – the rebuild uh, being over. Like, uh, so uh, Alexander Dupont is asking, do you guys think the rebuild is in fact over? No, not, not until they build that blue line. Not even close. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I, and I mean that in the best way possible towards the team, because the team's like, they've done a great job with these young players and they're on the right process. But I think, I know I could be wrong, but I think a lot of people are going to get a very sobering reminder of where the organization is at performance-wise once the season starts up and they're playing, we talked about this with Frank, being in that Atlantic division now, like, look at the teams. Look at these teams that they're going to be playing against. It's not going to be the same, right? Like, yeah. we're talking about all the teams. First of all, all the teams around New York. Look at the Islanders, the Florida teams, Boston. I mean, it, and I'm missing a whole bunch. 
Like it's going to be very competitive. So they're missing, as Wally just mentioned, a couple pieces on the back end, at least one big piece. And a lot of the rest is just growth. I think it's time, right? We have a couple other players that are coming up through the system now. You're really going to see the fruits of that probably by next year, the year after. And I think as a fan base, we just have to enjoy this process. Don't be too critical. Just enjoy it. I mean, the team's trending the right direction. Stay the course. Brent, you want to jump in with anything? Yeah, I just said, like at the beginning, they got to rebuild that blue line. And, yeah. and they still need, with all due respect to Josh Norris at the moment, if they were truly going to be a playoff contending team, they'd need a solid number one center. And like, you think so? I mean, I yeah, yeah, I still think a bona fide. Like, if you can put Josh Norris as your number two guy, like, okay, right? Yeah, like I agree pretty, with you. They're yeah, pretty thin down the middle. So yes, I, this is not I, a shot at Josh Norris, but no, this I is know, where, like, if you can bring it, like, I'm going to go Jack Eichel type, and I know that's a franchise-type player, so right. it might be a little right. less, but you know what I'm saying. They need someone like that in that number one spot, and Josh Norris sits in at number two, and Shane Pinto's in there. I think it's they really yeah. now have to start. I, I just something. wanted to add, because, Wally, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. They are definitely thin down the middle, and I think that's common place with everybody, every media member and fan out there that pays attention. I do think Norris is a number one, though. I was just going to say, just based off of what I saw last year and his ability to defend against all the top lines, it, he was lights out. He was great. Sure. So, but but I do agree. I mean, you, do you rely on a Pinto, like a freshman, basically, a rookie yeah. as your number two? I mean, that's where they're in trouble. But I think that brings me back to the original point that I made earlier is that they're not in a win-now mode this season. I'm sure they want to keep trending the right way, but exactly. they have the luxury of time on their side, and they can wait till the following year, or even the year after that, until they really can go after that number two guy. Yeah, perfect. Okay. I, I don't don't disagree. Um, and to finally hold on to Brandon's yeah, point, uh, uh, he just asked about moving Stutzla to center. Yeah. I I just don't see it yet, and I don't know that they want to just yet. I think they may try to see what they have there. I think he stays at the wing. Yeah, you don't want to screw with the young guy's development. I mean, and not that Timmy Stutzla needs a ton of protection right now. He's mature beyond his years. But I agree, Wally. I, I don't know that he's ready for that. Because playing yeah. center is a big responsibility. Like at both ends of the ice, and you're driving the bus. So I I, I don't know. I don't. I, yeah. I guess you could try him in training camp. But again, I, you won't know until he matures a little bit more. And right. you want to make sure you're careful with him. And you'd rather have Tim Stutzla play 18 minutes or 15 minutes a night on a second line as opposed to 12 minutes fourth line right. center type because he's adjusting to it. It's another yeah. issue. You want to give him top six minutes. And you want him confident. Yep. You need him confident. You want to bury his confidence. You want him to grow confident. Anyway, we can, we can no, leave it at that. All, no, all good points. I, and what I mean, I guess the center talk we were just doing, isn't that kind of what the Matt Duchesne trade was? It obviously didn't work out, but you bring in a number one center and then all of a sudden your number one becomes your number two and your number two becomes your number yep. three. Right. right. And it's just, and it I, proves everyone on the way up. Exactly. And that was the point I was trying to make. I'll keep this point really short. Yeah. In the end, you don't want to rush that because right now you're not desperate for that. You're not making a run for the cup this year. So if people are like, well, why aren't they going after, uh, you know, a, a top two? First of all, those guys are not available unless you're willing to throw the kitchen sink at them at the NHL level. They, they cost a pretty penny. So there's no pressure or rush to get into that just yet. Maybe start visiting that avenue next season. Brent's in the chat right now again. I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's good. Yeah. Okay, well, while Brent's all in right. the chat, I'm going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit. We got some trivia stuff to give away. Um, Gong Show, another one, that they supported us uh, kind of during the golf tournament here. And they had one of the... Uh, Gong Show sauce off kits. Uh, so we're not giving one of those away today. We're giving away one of the Puck Luck 
uh, hockey sauce games. Same idea though. You're doing the little flips and across. This one's uh, this one's a little. I'm not. I don't think it's easier. It's probably difficult as well. I struggled a little bit on the uh, the other one at the golf tournament. So maybe I'll do one of these. <laughs> do a little practicing or something. So but just as an idea, I, I set up the game and I bought a. My kids hockey sticks they're like the size of putters and so you had a left and a right and you had a flat blade and if you could use the flat blade you got twice as points i just thought it was an interesting idea to see how many people could use a flat wooden hockey stick that's three feet tall yeah that was fun i tried the flat one and guess what it didn't go so good but hey you know what you can try that one you can try a flat blade you can try a long stick your regular stick whatever you want in one of these uh puck games uh, if you win it, uh, so the question comes from our uh, Craig Anderson show. If you rewind back to Craig Anderson's first game with the Ottawa Senators, it was a one nothing win over the Toronto Maple Leafs in a shootout. We asked uh, who scored the lone shootout goal in Craig Anderson's first win with the Ottawa Senators, and it was Jason Spezza himself. Uh, and he had one of those crazy games. Matt, that was before you. Uh, Brent, do you remember that one? Like his first game with the Senators, I was like a 50-something save shutter, I think. I do. I do. Because the thing is, when they brought in Craig Anderson, they weren't sure what they had in goal. That was the big thing about whether or not his attitude was going to work with the Ottawa Senators. And so uh, they were all in on watching him. And that was what I was trying to watch was how he was going to perform. And, and you were like, oh, what do they got here? Yeah, I think we saw kind of the first big game Andy game was right out the gates. He kind of said, yeah. okay, this guy's this guy might stick around here for a little bit. Maybe set a few yeah. records along the way. So uh, shout out to at Curtis Corey on Twitter. Uh, you're getting yourself a puck left game. So keep an eye on your DMs and we're going to slide in there and figure out how to get it to you. Awesome stuff. Oh, uh, coming up Thursday show, Meth. Uh, this is exciting. If this all goes well, <laughs> we have, and you've talked about the Danbury Trashers and you said your favorite guy was T-Bone. We've got him lined up. Tom Pompicello is going to hopefully join us uh, for the show on Thursday. Hopefully, <laughs> Yeah. Well, so yeah, I've, I've spoken to him and, and he's all in. I'm just, you know, like it's, he's interesting. So yeah, I'm just hoping he's coming on the show. Yeah. 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 It, yeah I was going to say interesting is an understatement and I don't yeah. want to give up too much, but I mean, if, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Okay. So he said, I'm all in. Can we film it in a strip club? And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. So it should so be good. That's a little homework for people, right? Before Thursday, make sure you uh, head out and uh, Netflix, watch their Untold series. They're all phenomenal. Yeah, all Untold great. Crime and Penalties. Crime it's and penalties. really good. And it's, it's almost unbelievable. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk We'll talk. to Tommy about that, and we'll talk about yeah. it. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. So make sure you watch that before Thursday uh, so you yeah. can be on all the jokes and everything else. Cool. That is the Wally and Mathod show powered by Barave and Ford guys. Uh, great show. And it is time for us to drive on out here. We'll see you Thursday. See you guys. See you guys. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.